welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on episode 19 of IC Star Wars. We're going to talk about ICCC Part 2, the recap. We're going to talk about TROS, the rise of Skywalker. And we're going to hit the Mandalorian. Our figure for this episode is 21B, so we're going to dive right into 21B right now with his story straight off Wikipedia. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight with the Force as an ally will conquer Vader and his emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path, as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. 2-1-B was a 2-1-B surgical droid that was a member of the Rebel Alliance to restore the Republic. Along with FX-7, 2-1-B was stationed at Echo Base on Hoth and treated Luke Skywalker with Bacta after he had been attacked by a Wampa. 2-1-B also treated Skywalker after his hand was amputated in a duel with Darth Vader on Bespin. 2-1-B has had long experience with humans since the times of the Old Republic, giving him a caring bedside manner. It was thanks to that that Skywalker specifically requested 2-1-B's treatment following the loss of his hand. He was also able to perform extremely precise operations that left little to no scar on his patient. Let's go right into the Kenner action figure, the vintage Kenner action figure of 2-1-B, the medical droid. Uh, 2-1-B, he was available in Empire Strikes Back is when he came out. He was also available on the Return of the Jedi cards, Tri-Logo cards. Uh, there were some release in Canada also, um, and the Return of the Jedi Kenner baggie. He was also in some multi-packs. Um, when you're talking about 2-1-B, he has a silver medical staff. Uh, there's a couple different versions of that. Uh, there's one with no dot. There's one with a dot. Um, either way, there is also reproductions. You can kind of tell the reproductions are usually painted. Um, they can be scratched. Some of the newer ones do float, uh, but the the edging and stuff like that, the detail is sloppier. Um, but always look, it is an expensive, expensive uh, accessory because it only comes with 2-1-B and TIG Frome. Uh, so, with 2-1-B and Tig from being the only two, and them both being not very popular characters, and it being a little teeny tiny piece of uh, plastic, it's quite often lost. There are a few bootlegs of 2-1-B. There's, uh, in Mexico, they have a painted body one that has more of a metallic color. They have uh, a solid one that has a couple different colors in it. Um, they also have model trem ones, the lead ones from Brazil. Uh, and stuff like that. There are different 2-1-B bootlegs, but there aren't a ton of them, and he's a neat figure to collect because he is definitely a one-off. And if you can get him still in that bubble with that microphone still attached, well, it's not a microphone, it's a breathing apparatus still attached to his mouth, you're pretty lucky because lots of times that pops right out. He may not be the most popular character in the line, but I think he's a very neat action figure, and you're always going to need a medical droid to be working on your injured rebels and Imperials. Strong is Vader. Mind what you have learned. Said you would can. Next up, I want to do something a little bit different. 
I want to talk about current events or somewhat current events. Um, usually we do the Ask Mike section right now, but we're going to push that off till later in the show. I do not have a guest star this time as I just am shooting from the hip in order to get one out. So that way I can start getting back into the swing of things to do more and more podcasts for you. But um, as far as current events, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars just came out with The Rise of Skywalker. Um, not just came out. I've already seen it six times, seven times, something like that. But um, I love it. I love it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it brought us back to nostalgia. I thought it was a great Star Wars movie. Um, I know some people out there gave it a little bit of grief, but everything doesn't have to be an epic Oscar winner. Um, I'll be honest. I saw 1917 this weekend. I thought it was an okay movie, maybe. I thought the story was pretty weak. Um, the acting was okay, and I guess the whole reason why it has like a 9 on IMDb is because it's supposedly supposed to be a continuous shot, um, which means like the, the video camera never goes off and they do it all a two and a half hour movie in one take. Um, there's no way that movie was a single shot. Um, it's completely impossible. I mean, no spoilers, but there is a part where one guy falls downstairs and then he wakes up a while later, it seems. And there's like water dripping right on his head. It's impossible. So I seriously doubt it really was a single shot movie. And as soon as you take out the, uh, the little gimmick there of it being a single shot movie, which by the way, if you want to go see an awesome single shot movie, Woody Harrelson did one like five years ago. It's called like an evening in London or something like that. I don't know what the name of it is off the top of my head, but it's not exactly like it's groundbreaking. Um, but I watched that movie and that movie, even though it'll win a ton of Oscars because, uh, of it was made just for the Oscars. I mean, you could tell. You can tell everything about it was made just for the Oscars. And it's going to crush it. It's going to clean up. It'll be a high-ranked movie forever. But the thing is, is nobody is ever going to sit down on their couch on a Saturday with the family, grab a bag of popcorn, and pull that DVD off their shelf and pop it in. It was two and a half hours of a really long, drawn-out story that could have been replaced by a phone and I understand there were no phones in 1917, or, well, no cell phones in 1917, and no proper ways of communication, but, um, I don't know, throw a guy in an airplane and fly him out there. It was a long movie, and I've seen many, many better war movies, I've seen many, many better, more fun movies, and I'm not trying to pick on the movie, I can understand why people enjoyed it. Uh, there were things that were groundbreaking, if you've never seen the Woody Harrelson movie from five, six years ago that I'm talking about. Um, there were things that were neat. Uh, the cinematography was very good. Uh, the story was okay. The acting was phenomenal. Uh, but I didn't mean to get off a tangent on 1917, but what I'm trying to explain is that movie, 1917, is a great Oscar-winning movie. It's going to crush it. Um, the thing is, is nobody's going to sit down on a Saturday with their family, grab a bag of popcorn, pull 1917 off the DVD shelf when they have all their home choices, and pop it in and watch it with the family. It's, it's never going to happen, and if they do, it's not going to happen next weekend or the weekend after or the weekend after that. Something special about the Star Wars saga is no matter how many years pass, how many days pass, if you have an extra couple hours and you're bored and you want to watch a movie with the family, you're going to probably pop that off the shelf and you're going to throw it in because it's a new hope or Empire Strikes Back or something like that. That's what I'm talking about with this new movie. The Rise of Skywalker, it was really that old feeling. You can pop it in anytime. Was it a, a groundbreaking movie that'll win 500 Oscars? Absolutely not. 
there wasn't enough depth there wasn't enough uh issues of today there wasn't enough this that the other all these things that checked the boxes for oscar committees it did not have was it a great movie i don't know was it an awesome star wars movie absolutely did i love it absolutely um the thing is, is it doesn't always have to be a great movie. It has to be something you want to watch more than once. And that's something that I find that the Oscars or all the different award shows and stuff have... Um, I find that they have kind of lost that aspect. Um, what value does the movie have in five years, ten years, fifteen years? Um, who's going to watch it? Who's going to... If they still rent movies, who's going to get it out of Redbox? I mean... A movie like that, it, once it peaks, it goes away. A movie like The Rise of Skywalker was right up our wheelhouse. It's something that gives you that old-school nostalgic feel. It is an action-packed adventure from the beginning to the end. It is a tearjerker if you are a Star Wars fan. And uh, it was made great because you get to really feel what it was like to be a kid again. And for them to be able to re imagine the series in order to give us that feeling at this age in our lives. I mean, shoot, I'm coming up on 40 years old this year. Um, and I felt like a kid. I went to the RPX and the, what is the other one? Uh, it's like this 4D. It was 4DX. And what it was, it was an interactive. It was like uh, Star Tours. You sit in a seat where the entire seat moves around and there's foam that sprays out when there's bubbles and there's smoke that comes out of the smoke makers. And it's really, really neat and immersive. And I was in there cheering like I'm three years old. If they can make a movie like that, that movie's going to have legs. It's going to have longevity. And you can see it in the box offices. You can see all these silly people that were like, we're going to ban it. Well, you know what? On week three and week four, they started to go. And that movie has crushed it. It's well over a billion dollars worldwide, well over 500 million in the United States. And it will continue to crush it because we're the kind of people that are going to buy the steel book. We're going to buy the extra thing. We're going to buy this, buy that in order to continue to enjoy this movie in the future. If you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker, I highly suggest you go. Um, go check it out. And go check it out in regular 2D. Even if you've seen it in 3D or you've seen it in IMAX or you've seen it in whatever other format. Um, those formats are wonderful. But there is something to be said for the regular old 2D version. The reason why is 2D, uh, it's still shot in the 16.9 widescreen. And 16.9 widescreen is a bit different than anything else. When you get into 3D and you get into IMAX and stuff like that, they're more like a 4.3. And I know this sounds like weird tech mumbo jumbo, but I'll explain it to you. Um, 4.3, it's more like an old school TV. A TV from 20 years ago where it's that square picture. When you have that square picture, since movies are shot in widescreen format, like all our TVs are nowadays, plasma TVs, LED TVs, all those are widescreen format, so that's a 16 by 9 format. So movies are shot in that widescreen. That's why you see the black bars on the top and the bottom. When you crop that movie in order to make 3D or IMAX, you lose everything on the sides all the extra cinematography and beautiful landscapes and beautiful scenery and it's it's lost and is it still enjoyable absolutely but imagine if you just put uh both your hands up on the side of your computer monitor or wherever you're listening to this um you put one hand on each side and you look between your hands that's how much it's cropped and so you lose everything that's on the side 
Um, is that the biggest deal in the world? No, but I definitely suggest you go and see it in 2D if you have the time. Uh, it's super fun. The cinematography was awesome. The landscapes were awesome. Um, even just the stuff going on in the background in like the bar where you see John Williams in that cantina there. Um, there's so many more aliens and stuff like that that you can't see in the 3D or the 4DX or the IMAX. So go check it out. If you haven't checked it out, uh, if you have checked it out, go check it out again in 2D. There's nothing wrong with the older format. It's uh, It gives you the whole picture. So... I really, really love The Rise of Skywalker. Some folks out there didn't love it too much, and that's okay, too. Um, but I have noticed that there hasn't been much bashing or anything like that. And the folks that have been bashing, you read their bashes, and you can obviously tell they've never seen the movie. Um, they're just making an assumption. But that happens an awful lot with these kind of movies. That's why you look at a score like Rotten Tomatoes where it got like a 30. And then as soon as the actual human people got to see it, it got like a 90. Um, but sometimes you have critics and stuff like that that have been doing this 10 billion years. And they're going in there to see a one continuous shot movie. Uh, even if the shot is garbage about a story that's really weak. Um, so... There's The Rise of Skywalker. I really enjoyed it. I would give it an 8 out of 10. The only reason why it would lose the 2 points is because there's certain things you have to do for 2 points, like reveal that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Um, you know, that's a big one. I'm very excited to see what else they come out with. As far as my thinking, I think they're going to do something with Rey, where she brings on a new set of Jedi. I know that Daisy Ridley has said publicly that she's not going to do that, but... Everybody, I mean, Harrison Ford told us for 35 years he would never be in another Star Wars movie, and now he's been in two more. So as far as people putting forever definitions on anything, I wouldn't count on those, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. I really enjoyed this trilogy. I hear they're going to start up a new movie in 2022, and I'm very excited to see that as well. Um, next on, let's move to The Mandalorian. Well, you know me, I'm a Boba fanatic. And if they're gonna put anything with Mandalorians, I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it, I'm buying the toys, and uh, that's just the way I am. I love the idea of a John Wayne-style bounty hunter. I love the fact that they have John Wayne's cousin or nephew or something like that in the armor for the stuntman. Um, I love that they haven't been revealing him without his helmet to any human beings, and that shouldn't be a thing, because he seems pretty stuck on that point. I love the way that there's interaction with other other Mandalorians and it's more of a creed I love that every time that somebody comes into view and it's blurry for a little while in that show I'm always like oh it's gonna be Boba Fett because I love Boba um but just to keep it alive like that to have Favreau and Filoni just taking the reins and making something so exceptional is wonderful and they're bringing in new people all the time shoot my sister doesn't love Star Wars I mean she doesn't hate it or love it or it's just a not part of her regular day-to-day -day life but she loves baby yoda 
and she's watched all the episodes of The Mandalorian. So that's what's happening with The Mandalorian and those other Disney Plus things. Um, I enjoy Disney Plus. I have Disney Plus. If you don't have Disney Plus and you grew up, I don't know, in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, Disney has been a big part of your life. It's just part of it. I mean, we all watched The Lion King. We all saw The Little Mermaid. We all saw everything that they have now. They have Marvel. They have Star Wars. They have so many different things, and those are all parts of our childhood, and those have all been put on Disney+. Plus. I remember I was checking out Disney+, Plus, and if you go up to the search functions, I found Gummy Bears, and I haven't seen Gummy Bears in forever. Um, if you remember, Gummy Bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. Anyway, um, if you remember Gummy Bears, it's on there. The old Zorro, you know, the Zorro from back in the day. Zorro, Zorro, Zorro. But uh, that's on there. So search for the old old things that you remember. Flight of the Navigator, Escape from Witch Mountain, Swiss Family Robinson, and a million others. Uh, Disney Plus is now holding the reins to. So it's a fun subscription. Uh I have it. I usually don't subscribe to different things like that, but if you're going to have all the Star Wars and the Marvels, I guess you got me hooked. It's only like 7 bucks a month or something. So I've been watching that, and uh, The Mandalorian is just an epic adventure, and it's right up my alley. I love the whole bounty hunter thing. I think it's so cool. I love the way it uh, it focuses on more of the real universe the used universe the the worn stormtroopers the the way that regular um the regular biker scouts and stormtroopers interact with each other when they're not being watched or when they're sitting on guard duty or when they're bored or it's it's a much more realistic feel to me and i think that's what i connect with so much about the show um even though it's about a bounty hunter in a big metal suit Um, it's extremely realistic. I really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to season two of the Mandalorian and, uh, I'm very excited to see where they go with that, especially with the different directors. It's really amazing what they've been able to pull off. Uh, next up, we do have to talk about ICCC, ICCC part D, the recap. Um, the recap, what happened at ICCC? Well, we had over 45 guest stars from movies. We had about 10 artists that have brought you everything from Mulan to Muppet Babies. Um, we had tattoo artists. We had 501st and Mando Mercs. Thank you very much for coming out. We had many club tables, wonderful club tables. We had Timothy Zahn and Steve Sansweet and Ron Rudat and uh, Jim Swearingen and so many other wonderful people that came together uh, to really put on a great show. It was an awesome show. We had way more attendees than last year. We had way more show flow than last year. We had way more guest stars, way more vendor tables, and I hope to keep it growing and growing and growing. What I did is after ICCCon... uh, 2019 I started going around and I started searching for a new venue the reason why I started searching for a new venue was one fold at the time um, the reason why I started searching for a new venue is because it is tough to get folks that are local to come to Franklin even though it's only 20 minutes outside of Nashville um, folks don't usually go there and uh, it's just not a, a destination where someone expects a convention so I feel that moving it downtown would be a better 
better idea. So I started looking into moving downtown Nashville, and it seemed very untenable at the time. Uh, the reason why is because I was calling up and I was saying, hey, I throw a sci-fi con called ICC Con. It's super fun. We're going into our third year. I get a whole bunch of guest stars and movie stars and stuff like that. And they're looking at me going, you realize this is Nashville and we have like the NFL draft, right? And <laughs> so... The problem is, is with Nashville being such a growing city, I mean, 125 people move here a day. If you let that sink in, 125 people a day move to Nashville. Um, our population has gone up 17% in the last year. It's crazy. We have so many skyscrapers. We have so many buildings. It's turning into a major city. The thing is, that means that a lot of people come here for vacations or for shows or for... Um, anything there's there's events there's large events like the nfl draft was here we had i think it was like sixty thousand people on broadway for the nfl draft or something crazy like that i don't know that number i'm just going off the top of my head but tons of people so it's difficult to find a venue in nashville unless you are a major corporation as you guys all know i am not a major corporation that is not what ICCC is. That will take away from the purity, the form of it, the ethos of what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide an unbelievable top-of-the-line convention inexpensively. Well, inexpensively to the customer. It's not inexpensive for me, but inexpensively to the customer. And we're trying to bring in vintage toys and have certain vendors. You know, you're not going to see Pella Windows or T-Mobile or anything like that. You know, and it's, it's not part of collecting. It's just a money grab. And we don't like those kind of things. So we're trying to stay away from that. Um, we have had a couple contacts come through where they have contacted us and they've tried to get on board with ICCC. Um, they've tried to buy up a part of it from me and I'm not in the position that I want to sell any part of it and I will not sell any part of it for as long as it can be done because I don't want somebody else coming in and saying, well, you know, that's not how autograph works. If you don't want you know, if you don't want somebody telling you that you have to block off every single guest star so no one can take a free picture while they're walking by, I don't want to hear that. If you want to tell me that, well, you can't have food in the VIP room because it's just a waste of money. I, I don't want to hear that. I want it to be a better experience. I want it to be a nicer experience. Oh, you can't give away tickets to the 501st and the Mando Mercs because that's, it's, it's not cost effective. You can give them a couple ticket seats. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. These folks are out there every day working so hard in order to do better in their community, to do good in their community. And I'm not going to go turn them around and charge them a ticket for trooping. Um, that's just not going to happen. So until somebody is a big enough fan or a crazy enough fan to get into this and uh, share some of the responsibilities with me, I will not even think about selling out um, or even selling a part of it. The reason why is I will not have a corporate overseer turn this into the next well, we all know. I'm not going to mention it, but you know how it is. I mean shoot, there's some cons now where they put them right up against amusement parks so they can make sure you spend all the money you have. Um, and that's okay, too. I mean, I go to those. Um, I enjoy those. They have top-of-the-line guest stars, and it is an unbelievable spectacle, and it is enjoying to go. Um, but 
it's a major strain on folks. I mean, I'm trying to do something different here. We're trying to build something where it is enjoyable for everyone, as cost-effective as it can possibly be, and a nice, safe, enjoyable place where it has what you want, uh, where it has vintage toys, where it has collectors meeting, where it has people that can sit around and buy, sell, and trade without having to pay exorbitant prices or be fearful that they're going to get shooed off by security. Um, shoot, you know, you bring some toys with you to ICCC because you want to trade with one of our awesome vendors, you can definitely feel free. And that's the kind of stuff that's starting to happen and starting to really come together with this past year. Um, so many people came and it was such a a wonderful time and we expanded so much um between guest stars and stuff like that even after parties the after parties expanded the room sales expanded there was cooler stuff shoot there were four rocket firing boba fets in that building at one time that's over a million dollars in four toys that were in that building at one time that has not happened at any other convention in the world um so that makes me proud that's what i'm going for i'm going for international collectors coming from all over the world to one place where they can buy sell and trade and really upgrade their collections or really find that thing that they're looking for where the rarest collectibles are in the world that's what i want iccc to be i mean it does stand for the imperial commissary collectors convention um and we have stuck with that name even though we get a lot of grief there are people out there hey iccccc and that's okay. Um, as long as you're saying that, you know, ICCCCC is fun or ICCCC is great, I don't care. You can put as many C's on it as you want. Um, the reason why we stick to that name instead of just calling it NashCon or NashvilleCon or SuperCon USA um, is because it's a collector's convention. It is where people who collect high-end vintage toys whether they be voltron aliens teenage mutant ninja turtles star wars whatever they come together and they're able to buy sell and trade with like-minded people um many of these other conventions have completely priced out the vintage market if you're spending twelve thousand dollars on a table uh for a weekend it's pretty hard for you to be selling beater figures for a buck we don't do that, and we're not going to do that, and uh, that's the reason why we're going to keep it pure, we're going to keep it in-house, and we will keep it going the way it is going. Uh, so anyway, after ICCCon Part 2, we uh, started looking into different venues, and when we were looking downtown, they were like, oh, you're too small, so we're still trying to look downtown. So I started thinking, you know what, if Nashville's getting too big for its britches, and they don't want somebody who's completely local throwing a local convention for the local people, and bringing in international collectors, movie stars, guest speakers from all over the world then we'll go somewhere else that does want us. Um, so I started looking into different venues. We kicked around Seattle, Washington for a bit. And here's the thing with Seattle, Washington. I love it. I could have got a venue for a very fair price. The problem with Seattle, Washington is it's like 2,000 miles away from me. And this is all made by volunteers and people giving their time and their effort. And if I were to just move it, to somewhere like that it would hurt our volunteer base it would make it much more difficult and much more expensive um, and also every single last piece of merch or banner or grid wall or table or drape or 
soup bowl or a Keurig. You have no idea how much stuff goes into a con. Um, but all that stuff would have to be moved all the way up to Seattle, and that's a logistical nightmare on top of a very difficult thing like pulling off a convention. So Seattle didn't make the cut for that reason, but thank you very much to the lovely people out there. It was really wonderful, and maybe one day for sure. Um, and then we went up to check out Springfield, Missouri. The town of Springfield, Missouri reached out, and uh, they were unbelievably nice, wonderful people. Um and actually, it, it was such a great trip. I went up there with Andrea, and uh, we also took our security, uh, the head of security, Nat Rains, up there. And uh, we were checking out the different venues, and they were wonderful. I mean, they came, they met, met us, they gave us binders with Springfield, Missouri, stickers for the back of the car, all these different uh, things that came in a little goodie bag. I mean, it was wonderful. They were, they were unbelievably kind people. We got to see such great venues um their their venue is phenomenal the springfield missouri uh, expo center is beautiful it's the perfect place it would be so perfect for iccc even the separation they have these different rooms and there's this one room and i really want to upgrade our video game section because it did so well last year and everybody was so excited to win those tvs um that i wanted to make the video game section and there was this awesome room and it had these pillars where each of the four sides of the pillar had its own plug-in connection for ethernet and for power and everything which never happens you have that many plugs so i was really excited to try to do it there um the only problem we ran into with springfield missouri is the hotel rooms um for hotel rooms they only had i believe it was 160 rooms um in the main hotel that was connected to the convention center would have been awesome if it had 600 rooms um and then there was another hotel down the road had 130 rooms and they were connected so we could have used that one as well the thing is, is you're only pushing 260 280 rooms and this last year at icc con uh we sold out both the hotels the residence inn and the marriott cool springs the courtyard and uh, that's 220 rooms each. So you're already at 440 rooms. And then we also sold out most of the Berry Farm location of the Hampton Inn. So that's another 222 rooms. Call it 180 rooms because we didn't sell the whole place out. Even though it was sold out, uh, there was like a baseball, a traveling baseball team there or something like that. So you're looking at about 600 rooms that we need. Um for just the people that come in from out of town for this convention. And they did not have the ability to, they don't have 600 rooms close enough. And uh, so that's why that wouldn't work. That, that facility wouldn't work. So we looked at another place. Uh, there was the fairgrounds up there, which were wonderful. And then uh, that's when Andrea and I started kicking around the fairgrounds thing. And we're like, well, you know, if we moved it from the fairgrounds, it would make it more exciting. People from downtown would come. It would bring in more people for the vendors, stuff like that. So we started looking back into downtown. And uh, the thing is, downtown, as much as it's uh, difficult to find a place um, with persistence and time and effort, uh, they have been talking with us. So we're starting to look into downtown Nashville. Um, as soon as we get it figured out, uh, I will definitely update you. It's just as of right now, we are trying to move venues uh, for um, multiple different reasons. There was actually another problem. Uh, this convention down here, I'm not going to mention the name of it, but if you search um, Nashville Convention Horrible Thieving Scam or something like that, I'm sure you can find it. Um, what happened is this convention that is a traveling carpetbagger convention, which just means like 
people aren't from around here, even though they pretend to be, and they put up a convention. Um, it fell apart in such a way that uh, a few weeks before ICCCon, they canceled it and said they were going to do it in January because they couldn't get the logistics worked out or something like that as far as renting the venue. Um, what happened is they did it in January. They moved it down to our venue. They did it in January. And unfortunately, unlike our convention, ICCCon, um, they didn't spend any money on a stage or... Um, any free food or pipe and drape or star cars or there was nothing. It was nothing. There was a, a T-Mobile truck, <laughs> a Pella windows booth. Um, it just, it was not nicely done. And unfortunately they made the space look not nice. Um, so I'm not just completely discounting the Williams County AG Expo Center because I really feel like that is a place where we can grow. I do love the free parking aspect of it, um, but unfortunately this other convention that just happened there really left a bad taste in the mouth for the local Nashville crowd. Um, I guess the uh, the owner took the money and left to China on the day before the con and then uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter uh, I guess picked up the bill for all the volunteers food and all the guest stars uh, hotel rooms and he took care of everybody so shout out to Dog the Bounty Hunter for being an awesome human being that uh, really stepped up and took care of folks that really got ripped off and that's sad um, and that's something that I will never ever let happen to the ICCC and that's why I will not release a date and I will not release any information to inflate hopes or make you folks waste your hard earned money before I have facts um, before I own the venue before I've already paid for it before uh, the dates are set in stone so don't worry it is currently what's being worked on uh, we have 16 different people working on venues we will find something eventually it will most probably be in nashville tennessee because that's where i am one of the other reasons why i started this thing is because there was no good convention in nashville um and i live here and i wanted a good convention and now that there is no convention in nashville um i guess it's my obligation to do it here so as a Nashvillian, as a Tennessean, as somebody who lives down here in beautiful Middle Tennessee, I love the location. I love when people come to visit, and people love coming to visit because we have so many wonderful things uh, as far as tourism. So I expect to keep it here in Nashville, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I just have to find a proper venue. And once we find a proper venue, we'll be good. Uh, my problem is, is a lot of these places, they're very, very high-end uh, hotels. And very high-end hotels don't really understand what it is we're trying to do. For example, I ran into a wall with one of the hotels downtown. And the reason why is because they only allow food to be served at three separate times a day. It costs three, th or well, let me think what it said. It costs $3,000 for breakfast. Uh, these are minimums, guarantees. So what that means is you guys would still have to pay for food, but that money would come off the guaranteed food I promised to purchase. But it was $3,000 for breakfast, $5,000 for lunch, $5,000 for dinner for a two-hour window for people to eat at each of those times. So you're talking $13,000 a day in hot dogs and ham sandwiches that people are only allowed to eat in two-hour spans at that time. So... I, I, it's like they've never been to a convention before. And no matter how much you explain it, they don't understand that, you know what, 
vendor A might get hungry at noon, but vendor C might get hungry at 3 p.m. and there should be options for both of them. They just look at it because there's so many different businesses that come and do conferences down here in Nashville that they only look at it as, okay, you're going to have your accountants meeting from 10 till noon, and then we're going to break for lunch for 20 minutes, and then we're going to go back in and we're going to have a presentation by Steve, and after that presentation by Steve, then we have another 15-minute break. It's not the way conventions work, um, at least not sci-fi conventions or Comic-Cons or anything like that. So, I'm still looking. We are still looking. We will find something. Uh, the full court press is on. Uh, unfortunately, for some of the massive, massive places like Music City Center, it's. I, I'm waiting to find out what citywide conventions there are first uh, to see what, how much is left of the building. I mean, I think the Music City Center has something like 500,000 square feet, and uh, our last place, Williamson County AG Expo Center, was 178,000 square feet. Even though 80,000 of that square feet down there is stairs, or is chairs um, that riser seating, it still means that there's well over 100,000 square feet. The thing is, is when you're playing with 500,000, 600,000, 800,000 square feet, 100,000 is not that much. It's not that big. So they have to see what citywide conventions rent out what, and then we'll figure out a date at that point. Um, so as soon as we figure out a date, you guys will be updated. Keep a weathered eye on the website, www.icnashville.com. And as soon as we find a date, and as soon as that goes through, it will be updated on that website. But if you want any super secret information, uh, listen to the podcast because this is where I'm going to talk about it because I'm talking anyway and you guys may as well listen to the podcast uh, so that way you can get the updated information because you never know what I'll say because um, I record this in a big long line. I mean, if you hear it, it's just me talking into a mic. So uh, maybe you get some secret info I'm not supposed to say because uh, as I said in a live video three or four weeks ago, there's there's lots of things that I'm not allowed to let out of the bag now because there's lots of people involved. Uh, there's lots of people involved in the planning, in the staffing, in the uh, guest stars, movie stars department, um, agents, and so on and so forth. So we will update you as soon as we know. There will definitely be an ICCCon 3. Um, I don't know when it'll be, but I'll let you know in plenty of time. Don't worry about that. All right. Next up, we're going to hop into the Ask Mike section of IC Star Wars. Ask Mike is a post I put up on the main Imperial Commissary. If you want to join the Imperial Commissary, the giant Star Wars Facebook group that has spawned all of this, um, check it out, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. You can also check us out online at www.imperialcommissary.com. It has links to all the pages to the, uh, the podcast and also to the convention, so if you need any of that. But anyway, the Ask Mike section is when I put up a post on the main Imperial Commissary and I say, Ask Mike. Ask me anything in the comments about me, the IC, ICCC, Star Wars, anything at all. I'll do my best to answer off the cuff on the airwaves. Um, so, people post up questions. And uh, I put this one up right before I started recording this. And like I said, I pretty much knock one of these out in a straight line. So, uh, let me see if we have any comments. Yeah, we have 17 questions from the IC members. So, we will go through those and... 
it'll be enjoyable. Well, not 17 questions. Some of them have replies. So let's see what we have. First question, Mikhail J. How did you get started in your business outside of Star Wars, the trucking in the art gallery? Okay. Um... A little bit off topic, but sure. Uh, I got started in the trucking company. Well, I got started in everything. I used to work at a Blockbuster in Torrington, Connecticut. Uh, shout out to Blockbuster Video. Wow, what a difference. Uh, <laughs> but I met one, my wonderful wife there at Blockbuster in Torrington, Connecticut. And then uh, Blockbuster kind of ran its course because I already finished up with college and I moved back home as everybody does to go find a job. And I ended up working at a Blockbuster. I was a store manager, though. So there you go. And uh, I worked there for a while and we decided that it was about time to make some kind of move. Uh, my friend Ed Fedorovich moved down to Tennessee uh, a year before I moved down here and he got a job with Dell computers like dude you got a Dell back when it was the dude you got a Dell guy um, he got a job with Dell computers and he said hey Mike we can uh, I can get you an interview for a job with Dell come on down it's it's something cool it's fortune 500 company blah 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 so I said all right sure man why not you know after some thought and after talking with Andrea I said why not and uh, we came down to Nashville, Tennessee, actually Antioch. Uh, we moved into an apartment that was 700 bucks a month and uh, two floors with fireplace. It was nice. And uh, we moved down here with a uh, U-Haul and a Ford Taurus with a busted shifter. Um, it was automatic, but the shifter, you had to like give it your all to get it into drive because it just, I don't know, it wasn't in there right. But uh, if you gave it your all and you got it into drive, it could get you to a job interview. So we said, why not? Let's do it. So we came down here, um, the interview, uh, I wasn't able to get the interview right away. Uh, Eddie did pull off an interview. Uh, eventually it took about, I think like three months, 60 days, three months, something like that. So, uh, I got the interview at Dell. Um, at the time I was working for blue green in the, uh, mall. If you go out to the Opry Mills mall, there was a, uh, well, there still is, there's a Bass Pro Shop, giant Bass Pro Shop. And I worked for blue green. I was selling timeshares. So if you want to buy a timeshare, I can tell you all the reasons why it's a horrible idea. <laughs> But uh, I was selling timeshares there, and uh, Andrea was working at the zoo as a cashier. And uh, we did that for a while, and then I got the job interview at Dell, which was really cool. And I got the job at Dell, and Andrea still worked at the zoo, but she moved up uh, to running the store, the zoo store, for, like, all the uh, souvenirs and whatnot. And then uh, Andrea ended up going to work at a car dealership after that, and now she, like, runs Buick, GMC, everything of Murfreesboro. She's, like, a bigwig. Um, but I went to Dell computers and I got my job at Dell and I worked in my little gray cubicle, which I'm sure some of you are listening right now in your little gray cubicle. <sighs> Isn't it sad? But it's not. I mean, if you can handle it, it's a good job. It was a good job. It was a solid job if you can handle it. Um, I could not handle it. As you can tell from my personality, if you've ever met me, I do not do well if I am trapped in a tiny gray box. <laughs> so after about a uh, year and a half of having my lifeblood sucked out of me, <laughs> I decided I didn't want to work for Dell anymore. And uh, I left that job uh, for another job. And... Uh, the other or no, I left that job for no job. I was about to move back to Torrington, Connecticut. Another shout out to Ed Fedorovich. I was sleeping on his couch and uh, he came in with a article, a news article from the newspaper back in the day when they used to put things to purchase in the newspaper. And uh, he goes, I wanted to buy this furniture, but look at the back of it. It says salesperson wanted it and it had a phone number. And he goes, hey, uh, call this number and uh, 
do that salesperson wanted blah 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 blah. i said okay so i call up the phone number and they say hey how you doing we have a trucking company and uh come in for an interview i went in for the interview they liked the way i did it um so i got a job with this company i won't mention the company because i'm no longer with them um but i got a job with this company and i went into it it was a third-party logistics brokerage and i went into that with the uh the outlook with the outlook of a salesperson coming from selling timeshares at blue green and selling Dell computers to, uh, like real estate, uh, agencies and stuff like that. So I had a salesman background. I was one of the first people in that job that had a salesman's background. And, uh, so when things came through that were hazmat or, uh, dangerous or whatever. I didn't shirk away from them. I figured out how to do them and how to charge properly in order to get a very good percentage. Um, that way the person would get their job done. I would do it all legally with the proper permits and everything because I really, really had to look into how to do something like that. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have, have uh, moved some, like, just I don't even know, napalm, you know, I've moved everything in the world, um, across the country on trucks. And, uh, usually for the U S government where most of those loads that were really, really difficult. Um, I remember they had this one, uh, latrine bathroom and it's like twice the size of a container. So it hangs over the edges and it was unbelievably impossible to move, but it was like a really high end bathroom with air conditioning and everything that got uh, sent over to wherever we, um, have troops overseas. And uh, those things were incredibly difficult to move, but I didn't shirk away from it. I figured it out. So with me figuring that out, I got, uh, I made, I made a ton of money for the company. Uh, I, I quadrupled the numbers that they had ever seen before. Um, just me. Um, I quadrupled the numbers of a five man team. And when that happened, uh, they made lots and lots of money. They made actually a $6.2 million increase in revenue and uh, Christmas came. And I'm telling you all this story. It happened a long time ago and I hope you don't think ill of me for it, but uh, I am the most loyal person in the world until you uh, stab me in the back and then I'm not loyal anymore. I'm vicious. Uh, so, and I'll tell you a little story of how the IC got started after this. So you can really understand my uh, personal, personal life story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so what happened is I, yeah, Christmas comes around, Christmas comes around and I get this Christmas bonus. It's in an envelope and my boss gives it to me as he pulls up in the brand new Corvette that, uh, the money I made just purchased and says, thanks for the Corvette, Mike, here's your Christmas bonus. And I said, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And I opened it up and inside was a $100 check. That is right. Do not adjust your dials. You heard correctly. A $100 check when I increased their numbers by $6.2 million in a year. Um, I thought that was a slap in the face. So I spent my next six months learning absolutely everything I could about the trucking business and about logistics brokerage and about everything to do with it. And then I started up a competing company right down the road and I have wiped them off the logistical map. Um, that's what I did. That's where my business comes from. That's what I do. Um, I move Learjet fuselages. I move containerized freight out of New York and New Jersey. I move Chrysler's. If you got a Chrysler out there, your transmission probably came on one of my trucks. Um, those little puff pastries in your grocer's freezer, the ones in the frozen food section in the white tub, um, that have the puff pastry with the whipped cream or whatever in it, the cream filling. 
Um, those profiteroles, that's me. They come in um, overseas and they come into the port in New York and then I bring them out to Chicago where they're distributed. Um, but those are the kind of things I do, um, giving the U.S. diabetes one puff pastry at a time. Uh, but that's what I do for my real job and that job ended up giving me enough money, um, a, a solid enough income that I could start collecting good Star Wars toys, fancy Star Wars toys, you know, uh, so I started buying Boba Fett's and stuff like that, and that's where I got my Star Wars thing. What happened is I would buy up collections all the time, so I'd have a lot of surplus Star Wars toys. So what I did is I was going on one group that used to be the big group, um, and uh, it's an open group. It's still out there, and they're actually really nice guys, and they've been really nice uh, nowadays. Uh, Back in the day when I first started out on Facebook, they really weren't that nice. But um, anyway, I had these, uh, these guys, and I had so many extra of the, the, the loose figures because I was trying to complete my sets really, really clean that I put up free figures. And what I would do is I would take a very zoomed-in picture, I would make it black and white, and I would say, who am I? And uh, people would guess as to what that figure was, and whoever guessed it correctly first would win the figure, and I'd send it to them free of charge on me. Um, These people that ran that group back in the day said that I was trying to do that. Now get this. I was doing that. I was giving away free, complete vintage figures so I could get people's addresses so I could rob them. Now, that's about as ridiculous of a statement as I've ever heard in my life. Uh, But still, uh, it frustrated me at the time, and I found that there was no place on Facebook to be kind in the Star Wars world. So I decided to start my own group. Um, As I said, I am unbelievably loyal until you stab me in the back, and then I am unbelievably vicious. So that's how the IC started. I wanted a place where people could buy, sell, trade safely, happily, where it was a closed group. So randoms couldn't just come in and be terrible. Um, and where people could be nice to each other without everybody always looking for an ulterior motive. You know what? People are sometimes nice and that's okay too. It should be encouraged. Um, so anyway, Started up the IC, and now 22 Facebook groups, a podcast, and a convention later, here we are. Um, So that is how I started those. Now, the reason why I started the art gallery is because I love art. I love art. But just like I love Star Wars, um, I buy too much of it. I go somewhere on a trip, and I find four or five pieces from an emerging artist that totally blow my mind, and I'll pick them up. I'll buy them. Um, and I'll put them up on the walls until I run out of walls. The thing is, is if you collect everything that goes on walls, um, you run out of space really quick. Maybe I should have started collecting stamps. Uh, (laughs) but, um, no. So I, I get the art and I put it up and I do a couple pop-up art shows every year. Um, did one down in San Antonio recently, got another one coming up in Mexico. Um, that's mostly photographs though, instead of, uh, like actual painted artwork like on canvas um and my real focus is the painted artwork on canvas which is really funny i bet you a lot of star wars guys out there are like no way mike havens doesn't do 2d i do do 2d um i just do it when it's fine art Uh, (laughs) but no i love the way that art makes you feel i love the way it makes you think i love when you can walk by a painting every single day for years and 
many times during that time, you can look at it and it gives you a different feeling, a different understanding, a different emotion. And anything that can do that is very, very special. Anything I see that in is very, very special. Um, so I buy it up and then eventually I go to art shows and I, I throw up a pop-up art show or something like that. And I try to sell some of it. And then, uh, I am able to buy more of it and so on and so forth. But no, my house, if you ever visit my house, uh, it is covered in art and Star Wars. Literally everywhere. I mean, every wall has it's covered. Um, it doesn't so much look like an art gallery as much as a Bennigan's, but that's the way I like it. I always like something going on. I always like you to be able to walk around and not get it all processed you're always thinking in my house you're always looking at something different and uh i think that's fun that's what life is you want to always have different new experiences um so that's how i got into the art gallery and that's how i got into star wars and that's how i got into the trucking company so after that long rant thank you mikhail j for your question um i hope i've answered it as well as i can and uh as you can see i'll tell you the truth just ask me <laughs> uh rob ritter where do baby Yodas come from? Baby Yodas come from... Do you really want to know? Now, I could say something nice here, which is like, Mommy and Daddy Yodas. No. Baby Yodas... I love Baby Yoda. First off and foremost, I love Baby Yoda. I think he's awesome. Top notch. Where do Baby Yodas come from? Baby Yodas come from a basic marketing... <laughs> it comes from a basic... It's marketing 101. What do you do? How do you get people involved in Star Wars that couldn't care less about Star Wars? Which is usually, and I'm not saying that there aren't girls that love Star Wars. There's tons of them. My wife is one of them. Um, but it's definitely usually guys. Guys like Star Wars. Um, my mom loves Baby Yoda. Now, the reason why is because you give a cute, cutie little puppet giant um, anime eyes. And you make it cutesy, bootsy, and dootsy. It's... It works. I mean, that's what works. That's that's going to bring on a whole new group of people. Um, he's not made for the olden-timey nerds like us. We have the Mandalorian. We have Karen Dune. We have, uh, who else? The Apollo Creed. We got everybody. We, the, we already, they make stuff for us. But who do you have to connect with? You have to connect with uh, ladies, and you have to connect with uh, men, and you have to connect with kids. And Baby Yoda is just straight cute. He's like the cutest thing ever. But if you've ever watched, I don't know, I'm not really a big SpongeBob guy, but pretty much any cartoon ever, I think all the way back to even Bugs Bunny, um, when they do the, the eyes, that they make the eyes much, much bigger. And I've noticed that. I actually brought that up uh, in a group I chat with. But uh, I brought it up the other day. I've noticed that all of the knockoff Baby Yoda merch... Um, all the stuff that is not produced by Kenner, Hasbro, or Disney um, has had really tiny eyes. It It's not proportionate to the TV show, and therefore it loses that awe factor. Um, that's what Baby Yoda is. Where do Baby Yodas come from? Baby Yodas come from... If you have everybody picking on you... I mean, it's puppy dog eyes. That's what Baby Yoda has. So if you have people picking on the franchise or picking on your whatever, or shoot, man, you could, I don't know, you could put a Baby Yoda or a baby puppy in front of pretty much any bad situation, and you're going to look away from the bad situation and go, oh, what a cute puppy. 
Um, so Baby Yoda is the cute puppy. That's where he comes from. Or you could say he comes from a little-known series called The Dinosaurs, where he was, I'm the baby, gotta love me. Pretty much the same. Um, but I love Baby Yoda. Don't get me wrong, I love The Mandalorian. It's awesome. All right, next question. Jason Animal. How many PMs do you get each day? That's hilarious. Well, I've gotten like 15 since I've been talking here for the Ask Mike section. Um, I get a lot of PMs a day. I would say probably close to, if you're talking about different people, I'd say probably close to 50. Um, 50 different people reach out to me about something or another every day uh, on Messenger. And then if you're talking about when there's a problem, I mean hundreds. It could be... Something could happen on some other group or something, and I'll get 100 PMs from 35 different people all about the same thing. And it's tough, but it's also what's to be expected. I mean, the more responsibility you take on in life, whether it's a trucking company, an art gallery, or Star Wars groups, or family, or friends, or whatever, you're going to get more um, more interface with those people you're going to interface more with those people so that's okay i don't mind it but um yeah man a ton like a ton i think i got 12 from you today uh nothing against it they were good but it's yeah like a lot i get so many pms it's crazy next question marcus proctor what are your favorite ways to determine repro videos would be excellent with new technology, making them easier to 3d print and float. It's getting harder and harder to determine. It absolutely is getting harder and harder to determine Marcus. And that's one of the major problems with repro. If they weren't trying to steal from people, they would not keep making them closer and closer to the original. Um, anybody from 20, 30 years ago that has one of the painted junk repro. I mean, if you're really trying to do the thing, which I completely disagree with, and I think it's a lame excuse, but if you're trying to do the thing where it's, oh, I just want something that kind of looks close as a placeholder, which I think is ridiculous. But if you're doing that, then what was wrong with the painted ones? Why do they float now? What was wrong with a sinking repro? I mean, is it really that much of a hassle? No, it is just to scam people. So, how do you tell the difference? You go on websites like TIG, you talk to guys like Thomas Fagan, stuff like that, people who are really into looking at the different variations and differences in between the originals and the new ones, um, the repro. If you really look into it. Now, the thing is, most of the repro, I mean, for example, there's that guy, I don't even remember the name of his silly, silly group or whatever, but um, I guess he makes a couple customs, but then he also makes like pretty much all the repro. Um, he was whining on some pages the other day, but I would never say his name anyway, and I couldn't be bothered to learn it. He's just a scammer, you know? You don't learn the name of the guy that steals money from, I don't know, a shop every other day. I mean, they're worthless individuals. But uh, karma should even that out. Anyway, <laughs> those new repros that float and stuff, there are tells. You just have to look at websites that update for those tells, or always ask a friend. Um... They can get close, but they can't get exactly close. My favorite way to determine repro is either with a LED, uh, a UV light, a black light, um, or else, what else do I use? The drop test. I think the drop test works really, really well, and it's something that people don't bother to reproduce because I guess people don't know the drop test. What I mean by the drop test is if you drop um, legitimate Star Wars 
items, grab like four or five blasters you know for a fact are legitimate, drop them on a hard top table and listen to what that is. And then drop something that's repro and it makes a completely different sound. It's just because they're made out of a different type of plastic. Also, if you look at pictures closely, there is always some kind of tell. I mean, the fake Leia blasters that look really good, they have a square on the back instead of the circle. Um, there's always something little, and I think it's just, well, I think it's two reasons. I think, number one, they always want it to be the tiniest bit different, so they have something to point at when people say they're thieving scumbags. And number two, I think that... Uh, they're just too dumb to have an idea or to be able to pull off an actual good copy because they're just too dumb to do it. Repro makers are dumb, dumb people that like to steal from other people. And uh, you'll never hear me say these things about anybody else. I, everybody could be who they want to be. But if you make reproduction items, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Lamborghini, whether it's watches, whether it's purses, you're a scumbag that is trying to steal from other people. And you should be put in jail. I don't understand why eBay doesn't care, but I'll tell you what. The first time that Leonardo DiCaprio buys a rocket firing Boba Fett that's repro, and he finds out, I bet you he'll get some lawyers on that. So uh, maybe we should all get together and do a class action suit against those morons that are making repros. Um, because it's terrible. But you can still tell it's just all about learning and information. Eric Newton, can you share any news on ICCC 2020? Um, I shared some news. I can't guarantee it's 2020, even though I'm still trying to shoot for that. 2020 is kind of difficult. Um, the only reasons why is because there happens to be another convention that kind of took our dates. Um, <laughs> and also there's a giant election. I don't do politics. I don't talk politics. But... Um, say I were to move ICCCon to November instead of uh, September, um, I don't believe that if I threw $80 million at marketing, anyone would hear about it because all the marketing is bought up by whomever is running against whomever to be whatever. <laughs> Next question, Timothy C. Langley. How can I get an IC shirt and a no repro sticker? Uh, brother, I have the stickers. Um, you could just buy them from me. I, they're only three bucks a piece or anything that I sell. I put a sticker in. Um, if you want a sticker, I don't really sell them much anymore cause it's kind of hassle to go through them and then send them. But I mean, if you PM me, I'll always say, yeah. And then the IC shirts, um, you can get them at the con, the ICC con shirts, all the branded stuff there. Um, same thing with the stickers, but, uh, the IC shirts, there's only one place you can get them, and that is on, I believe it's T Public or T Fury or something. But if you type in Imperial Commissary t shirt on Google, it'll come up. And they also have deals on those, but there aren't too many different variations because even though we got our LFL approved from Lucasfilm, um, the algorithm from T Fury or T whatever it is, Teespring. I can't remember the name of the company. I never use it. I get $1 or $2 every t-shirt that's bought, so please don't buy them on my behalf. Um, but anyway, that company, their algorithm, anything that's a Star Wars, they just pull, even if you send them the paperwork. So I don't know. Um, so if you have one of the old ones that say Imperial Commissary, you're very lucky because uh, those are discontinued. And uh, we're probably going to stick with the ICCC ones from now on because we own that um, that graphic, that logo. 
as opposed to the other one that we have to get permission because it has the racetrack around it and stuff like a Star Wars card. Uh, next up, Robin Bakra. Are there any special guests that you're thinking of inviting that may be hard to get? Shoot, Robin, there's tons of special guests that are hard to get. Um, here's the thing with guest stars. Here, I'll let you in on a little secret since we're all friends here. Here's the thing with guest stars. There's different ways to book guest stars. Now, you can book a guest star through an agency, or you can book your guest star through their friend, or you can book the guest star through the guest star. Now, when you go through an agency, nothing wrong with agencies. The thing is, is you do have to pay for an agent to be on site. You also have to pay a seriously increased amount. Um, the reason for this is because the agents make the contract and then they pay the retainer to the guest star. And a lot of times the guest star's prices are a lot less um, if you can talk to them or if you have a friend that's connected with them. So what I try to do is in order to keep costs down, I try to talk to guest stars and see if they know guest stars or they know people that could help or if anybody knows anyone that can help or if you right there listening to this right now know somebody that can help, please do. Because um, we're doing something different. This is not just a giant corporate convention. This is a convention for the fans, by the fans. We create this. We bring it up from scratch. Um, there is no profit. I mean, there hasn't been any profit. There probably won't be any profit. We may even go to a non-profit eventually if we do make profit because it's not about that it's about putting on the best show possible for the least expense possible to the consumer and that's you guys um so what guest stars would i like to have i would like to have mark hamill but mark hamill is a very high price if you go through his agencies um and mark hamill is huge so you can't ever just talk to mark hamill about it but i do feel if mark hamill was listening and I could talk to him. I believe that he would understand what we're trying to do here. And he would be keen on it and try to help. Um, and stuff like that. And I believe that word of mouth and the guest stars being treated properly is what's going to work out. It's what has been making this con. It's the reason why we had 45 people. 45 people from movies this year. Instead of the 14 we had the first year. Um, and this year, I had absolutely no agents. Zero agents um, on site at ICCC. So, I'd like to keep up that tradition if possible. Um, I do understand that sometimes some stars do come with agents and that's just the way it is. And as long as we can work out a fair deal, I'm more than happy to do it. But, um, I don't know. It is tough to find movie stars. I mean, how many do you have the phone number for? <laughs> and then go ahead and give me those phone numbers so I can call them and get them to come. Uh, but yeah, as far as guest stars, I mean, there are... I have lists and lists of guest stars. I have hundreds of guest stars that I can connect with. Um, what I try to do is I try to see who's doing what, when, and who actually wants to be here. Because I don't know if you guys notice this or not. I know, Robin, you've been to both the ICC cons. But I don't know if you notice. But my thing with guest stars is I don't ever want anyone there that doesn't want to be there. Um, and if you're working a contract with a third party, like an agent or whatever, they will tell you till they're blue in the face, that person is dying to go to Nashville. They can't wait to come and blah, 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 blah. And that person may not want to be there. Um, they may not care about it. They may not like it. And the problem is, is you're talking through a proxy and sometimes you don't get the proper information. For example, there was a guest star the first year. He was rather a famous and important guest star. I won't mention his name. Um, and he was wonderful. But I asked his agency, I'd say a good six or seven times through email and on the phone, 
What is he like? What would he like? What does he need on site? Oh, nothing. It's very easy. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nothing. So I went on to Google and I searched every single past interview and article on this person. And I found out everything that they could ever want as a guest star. I had bottles of this and bottles of that and certain mixtures and certain kind of coffee and the certain kind of this and certain, and they never asked for that. And, uh, but still I had it all because I wanted to be a good host because that's what I want to send all these guest stars off with is the feeling that they had the best time in Nashville because the ICCC team was unbelievably professional and took care of them. Um, I want to show them that Southern hospitality. That's what brings people back. So this uh this guest star uh first time i saw him uh came in sat down i i came in oh hello how are you blah blah blah, blah. um hey could i get a cup of tea <sighs> that's the one thing we didn't have uh, english breakfast tea that's the one thing we didn't have and now if this is the thing that this guy likes you're telling me that as his agent or his representative, you can't help out. And maybe it's because they didn't know, but maybe it's because they didn't care. I don't know, but it still doesn't change the fact that that makes me look foolish because I don't have something as simple as English breakfast tea. Luckily, we ran around the venue and one of the wonderful attendees from England happened, I believe his wife happened to have it in her purse. Uh... And we got our English breakfast tea, and the show did go on, and the guest star was very, very happy. Um, the thing is, is if I would have talked to the guest star directly at that time, and that's something I didn't know the first year, uh, I'm quite sure that guest star would have requested English breakfast tea, and then it would have been a, a lot easier. Um, but that's just one little tiny thing that is one of the reasons why I try to get to the horse's mouth, actually talk to the, to the star. Um, so they can tell me what they want because I just want them to have a good experience. If they are happy, that makes you guys happy and that makes you get that feeling. So when you say what guest stars, uh, am I thinking about inviting, um, that may be hard to get. I want, I am looking for guest stars that want to be there. Um, whether it is somebody that has done a million movies, uh, somebody that is ultra super duper famous, that's not what I'm looking for. I mean, that's great if if the planets align and that person is the same person. That's wonderful. But I'm looking for people that will sit down with you as a fan and talk to you as a person. Will speak with you. Will understand what's going on and have a back and forth. Not just sign the autograph and kick you out the door. Because I don't like that. I don't like that impersonal nonsense feeling i mean if they can't get to all the autographs in the day oh sorry that's a bummer but at least everybody got to say hello instead of just sign it move on sign it move on by that time you may as well just be in a send-in service where you just send off the piece of paper and they send it back and you believe it's them um so the real trick is i want any guest stars that really want to be there and i have a massive list of guest stars the thing i'm most nervous about is i'm gonna to have to cut down guest stars this year because there's too many um i have literally hundreds of people that i can contact that were in movies um but i can't afford to have all of them at once so that's the good thing about having a convention that keeps happening is you get to have more and more different guest stars every time uh next up Damien Goodrich, if you went back in time as a Kenner team member and had to eliminate and create one original figure and one playset from the original toy line, 
Who and what would they be? Well, that's a tough question. Okay. If I went back in time, that's easy. And I was a Kenner team member and had to eliminate and create one original figure in one playset. All right. Eliminate figure, um, it would be the uh, Hoth Rebel Commander because the Hoth Rebel Commander and the Hoth Rebel Commando are technically pretty much the same figure except one has a mustache. Uh, it's a phone-in, and I don't think anybody would miss it if you took away one or the other. So I would replace that figure with Grand Moff Tarkin because Grand Moff Tarkin is awesome. Even though kids wouldn't buy it, I mean, we would all be hunting a Grand Moff Tarkin if it existed. Um that would be something we would all want in our collection nowadays. And wouldn't you trade it for a Rebel Commander or a Rebel Trooper? I mean, pfft. Hoth Rebel Commando and Hoth Rebel Trooper are like the same figure. Plus, you have like Luke Hoth. So if you're like, oh, I need somebody to lead the troops, you have Luke Hoth. He's a general. That's good enough. Um, you don't need every rank. I mean, you ever see army men? They don't have every rank. You just have different army men. And that one happens to be a lieutenant because you make it so. <laughs> uh, what original playset would I dump? I don't know. You could pick anything that's cardboard. I, I would dump the Bespin playset because it was garbage, and I would make a really cool one that was like the Bespin playset, except with like the carbonation freezing chamber. Like I don't know if you know the Bespin Lego set, um, but something like that where you could actually drop down like the Han carbonite from the Slave One. If you could drop that one down on the Bespin playset and freeze Han, that would be really cool. Um, but it would need some plastic parts. And it's not like they didn't have the technology. Shoot, you just cut the Death Star uh, elevator in half and, you know, slip a, uh, what is it, a carbonite in there, and you're good to go. So that's what I would do. Okay. Randy Cashens is the next question. I'm a, on a Lily Letty run at the moment. Letty weapons and Kenner accessories are pretty easy to differentiate. It's the Kenner accessories that give me problems in identifying versions of blasters and other accessories. There are such subtle variations that it is difficult for me to know which blasters go with which COOs and which figures go with Imperial blasters specifically. Okay. Um, you're asking for Kenner figures, what blaster goes with what COO, what blaster goes with figures. Back in the day when I was collecting, like now, no, no. <laughs> But literally, like, two years ago, nobody cared. The only one that mattered was the Black Loop Stormtrooper Blaster, sort of. But, I mean, I'm sure I've sold the Black Loop Stormtrooper Blaster for cheap because I don't care. Um, it was the blaster, as long as it was real, it goes with whatever figure. Some people have gotten really, really into that. I know the Imperial Gunnery has gotten a little bit into it, but they do need a few updates. Um, but it's a great site, don't get me wrong. It's just, uh, I don't know, there's... This is, this is new stuff that's happening. Um, actually, right below you, Thomas Fagan is who I would direct you to as a reply. Um, even Aaron Moore, those guys on the IC, they really dig into the slightest variations of things. Uh, half a millimeter lift on a COO means it goes with XYZ blaster and blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't really do that. Um, do I agree with it? Yeah, absolutely. If you have enough data, you can figure out any information. Um, for example, you look at it on a card back, you look at 30 of those same ones on that same card back, and they all come with the same exact variation of blaster, then it stands to reason that that's the blaster that came with said figure. The thing is, is, I don't know. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I mean, if the grading companies grade it only with a certain blaster, okay. But if not, 
I don't know. I really wouldn't stress it that much. As long as it's not repro, you're fine. There are some people that really, really dig into it. But um, me personally, I went on other runs. Like I did a Lily Letty run or I got some Palatoy stuff or I got some bootlegs or stuff like that. I mean, I was never really that concerned to have version 3 blaster with Taiwan Boba Fett. It's, I mean, I don't know. It never really, it never really was my thing. Uh, so I don't know enough about that. All as long as they're real, I'm happy with it. Um, if that is something you want to get into, definitely talk to like Thomas Fagan, man. He he digs into those things like like really far, um, way farther than I ever could. Uh, Mark Catley, do you have any Toll Toys carded figures? No, sir. I got a Toll Toys 12 inch Boba Fett, but that's it, and that's just because I thought it was cool. Um, no, I don't have any Toll Toys. Toll Toys, for anybody that doesn't know, it was uh, the Australian line. Um, they were released in Australia, and they would say Toll Toys on there. It was the company that made the figures in Australia, like uh, Lily Letty in Mexico or uh, PBP in Spain, stuff like that. But, no, I don't have any Toll Toys carded. They weren't really mine. I know Andrea's got one of the Jawas, but it's not carded. Um, Mike Cardwell. So will the next ICC con be in Tennessee or Missouri? Uh, as I said earlier, brother, I expect it to be in Tennessee. All right, folks, I'm going to hit refresh here and a couple more questions did pop up. So we'll go through those really quick. Uh, next up, Matt Fisher, any news on ICCC? Uh, we already did that one. Um, Brandon, yay. What are the plans, the IC plans for celebration so far? Well, uh, the IC plans for celebration so far, what happens is we do the IC meetup at celebration. Now I'm not sure the way it's going to run this year, but I do know it's going to run. We have, uh, our day is Friday night. It's Friday night. <laughs> anyway, our day will be Friday night, and yes, there will be an IC meetup. There will be buy, sell, and trade. Um, I just don't know what the venue is yet. You'll see at the top of the IC there will be an event that is posted, so don't worry about that. Uh, so it'll definitely all come together eventually, but we still got tons of time till celebration. Uh, we will be at celebration. I will be at celebration. We will not be doing a club table again this year. The only reason why is, uh, it ended up being like 80,000 pieces of merch and a lot of work. Um, if you have a club that wants to do it, I highly suggest it. It's super fun. Um, it's just, we've gone in a couple different directions, so I'm thinking it may not be the best use of our, um, Swag resources, because we gave out tons of swag at the IC meetup, too. So I think we're going to stick to that more. And that way I can actually go around and enjoy Celebration a bit. Um, unfortunately, it was like running around with a chicken in my head cut off up in Chicago. So it was tough for Andrea and I to actually walk around and, I don't know, shop. Uh, so... There will be an IC meetup at Celebration. It will be Friday night, as always. That is the IC meetup day, um, and we will keep you posted. Just keep a weather eye on the IC, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. Uh, Nat Reigns, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? The Jets, dude. Nah, the Jets are not in the Super Bowl. Between Kansas City and San Francisco, I would like Kansas City to win. I think they are a younger team. They are also your team, so I'd like you to win. That would be cool. Um, Super Bowl champions have uh, – San Fran has had quite a few Super Bowl championships in their time. Um, that being said, if I were a betting man and I happened to be putting a bet on the game, which – we do not condone because betting is illegal in the United States. But <laughs> if I were to, in a, an alternate universe, 
um, place a bet on the IC or on the uh, Super Bowl, and it was my personal money in that bet. I would uh, bet on San Francisco because I just think they are. I don't know. They're they're a more veteran team. I mean, I, I love what you guys are doing up there in KC. The only thing that makes me nervous about them is they're extremely young, and I don't know if I walked out on a Super Bowl field, it would be daunting. Just daunting because I've never done it before. I've never. Uh, they're just they're so young. But that being said, I am quite sure that you have many championships in your future, so I wouldn't worry about it. And also, hey man, it's the Super Bowl. It's anybody's game. I hope you guys win. Um, but if I did live in a place where you were allowed to bet on football games, uh, <laughs> I'll probably be rooting for the other guys. Uh, next question. That is it for the questions. We'll hit refresh one more time. But I think that'll be it for this episode of Ask Mike. Yep, that's it. All right, we're going to move on to the end of the show here. I want to tell you about a few conventions that are coming up that I am pretty excited. I want to talk about SciCon 2020. It is a CTS Promotions show. If you don't know who CTS Promotions are, um, they're the ones who do the really cool shows up in Cincinnati, toy shows. Uh, They do really great toy shows, Cincinnati and in... uh, Where's the other one? Not Cincinnati, uh, Columbus. And uh, they do... Great toy shows. They've been doing them forever. Uh, a guy named James Ford up there runs it. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's a really nice guy, and he runs a clean show. Um, he's been doing toy shows all the way up until now, but he's been doing those for 20 years, and he wanted to try out the convention thing, and so I've been helping in any way that I can because I think he's a great guy that's really going to be trying his best, and it gets away from the uh, the the corporate way that conventions are. Um, he's not corporate. He's a collector. So I really like that. I support him. I'll tell you a couple folks that are coming up to his show. Um, they have Michael Ben, Summer Glau, Peter Davidson, Bruce Boxlener, Simon Williamson, Angus McInnes, Gerald Holm, John Morton, Mark Anthony Austin, and Bern Kalakwo. Also, um, the man who shot Skywalker, Kim Simmons, will be there. Uh, I'm sure you know a couple of those names from the podcast and from the Star Wars universe and also even from the wonderful Firefly show there with Summer Glau. Um, so it's very exciting. Uh, they're really, really nice guys. Please go support them. Check it out. You can check it out at ctspromotions.com. It's called SciCon 2020, and it'll be June 20th and 21st at the Sharonville Convention Center, 11355, or 11355 Chester Road in Cincinnati, Ohio. So go check it out. Go give the people at CTS Promotions a like. They're trying to make a con from scratch, and I always support that. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Um, I'd also like to talk about Celebration. Celebration is the big one. It is a big, giant Disney slash Lucasfilm slash Read Pop slash Top slash every other awesome thing that we love convention. It will be out there in Anaheim, California at the end of August. I personally am very, very excited for it. As we just touched on in the Ask Mike section, there will be an IC meetup on Friday night. Um, We will see you all there. But go out to Celebration. Check it out. It's going to be an awesome show, of course. Um, It's just top of the line. And also, it's pushed right up near Galaxy's Edge. And I've been dying to go check out Galaxy's Edge. So I'm really, really fired up about that and really excited to see 
Um, Galaxy's Edge, I haven't had a shot to go out there. I want to ride the Resistance. I want to fly the Falcon. I'm, I'm fired up for it. Um, and there is one other show that's going to be coming up before all those that I'd like to talk about, and that is Echo Live. It's a con run by another Facebook group, Echo Base. Uh, they do a lot of stuff out in the UK. It is out in the UK. It's uh, in London. It is, let me see here, on April 4th of 2020 that's echo live check out echo base uk trading vintage star wars um they're really cool guys they're nice guys and they run another vintage star wars group based out of the uk and they do a convention slash toy show um i believe they're gonna have sean crawford there on site he played yak face and he's a really nice guy um bring him a bottle of jack daniels i'm quite sure he'll hook you up with a free autograph You can check them out at uh, Echo Base UK Trading Vintage Star Wars 1977 through 1988. You can search them online uh, and check out Echo Base Live. Uh, I think it'll be a fun show. There's going to be a lot of vintage there, I'm quite sure, so that's exciting to see. And I really like when anybody in this community builds their own thing. It's so nice to have a fresh look and a fresh perspective, so we absolutely support anybody trying to build a con. If you need any help, always ask me, and I will always try to make it if I can. I also want to give a shout-out to two unbelievably great podcasts. Um, They've even covered some icc con stuff uh star wars prototypes in production it's done by david quinn it's a great show um and i really really enjoy it he does an incredible job with storytelling and uh just teaching and having real community aspects to his podcast plus he goes around and does a billion live interviews with a billion different people which is awesome um i never have time to do that as much as I would like to do it, but uh, I would like to do it one day. But uh, it's a good show. Give it a listen. Prototypes in Production. It's a Star Wars podcast. Next up, I want to talk about TVR, the Vintage Rebellion podcast. I love the guys at the Vintage Rebellion podcast. They're out there in the UK. Give them a listen. They pump out a serious four-hour podcast. They're a billion episodes in, and they do a heck of a great job. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Richard Hutchinson for always being positive and being a really great positive force in this community. I love reading everything you write. I love listening to everything you say. And the reason why is because you can never got a bad word to say about anybody, man. And I love that. So thank you very much for listening to episode 19 of IC Star Wars. Please check out the Imperial Commissary at www.imperialcommissary.com. There you will find links to all the Facebook groups. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, the Imperial Commissary. Check out the uh, convention Instagram at ICCC Nashville. Uh, check out the con Twitter page at ICCC Nashville. Check out the convention website and keep an eyeball on it for when it updates with the new dates at www.icnashville.com. And uh, be sure to log into the Facebook page for people who have gone to the collector's convention. If you've been to ICCCon, go to the Facebook page, join up and uh, share your experiences with your friends. www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IC collectors con. That's IC collectors con C O N. 
Also remember, if you run into a collection that's just too much for you, too much stuff, too many items, too big of a collection, and you don't want to be bothered, give me a call. I pay a finder's fee. I give a 10% finder's fee on any collection I buy to the person that gives me the lead if the lead pans out. So keep me in mind if you find anything. I love buying up large collections, keeping the things I want, and then dumping the rest on the IC for cheap in a live auction. So tune into the IC if you want to buy stuff on live auctions. Tune into the IC if you want to place to buy, sell, and trade vintage Star Wars toys where there is no repro. I'll see you all up at the CTF's promotion show, PsyCon. If not, I'll see you all at Echo Base Live. If I can make it, I'm trying. And if not, I will see you all at Celebration in Anaheim, California. And if not, I will see you at ICCC Part 3. The Return of the Jedi, I guess. Can we do that? <laughs> Probably not. I'll get somebody to look into it. Have a great week, and thank you for joining me on episode 19 of IC Star Wars.